Hello and welcome to another episode of Defining the Dash podcast. I'm Mark Mullins, your host. Joined today by Chad Clifton, your host. Just kidding. Chad's not here today. He has a scheduling conflict. So, Father's Day is coming up. Everybody loves their dads. Father's Day is a day that is kind of tucked into the back of our minds and forgotten about uh, in light of other holidays. But Father's Day is a very important day. Father's Day is that time of the year when we remember and give tribute to the best dad jokes that are out there. Uh, This morning I've got a few dad jokes for you, a few dad jokes from the Bible actually. Uh, The first dad joke I'd like to present is, who was the smallest person in the Bible? Who was the smallest person in the Bible? Nehemiah. Get it? Nehemiah? Second dad joke, what car did the wise men drive to see Jesus? Honda Accord. The Bible says that the wise men all came in one accord. Why couldn't Jonah trust the ocean? Because he knew there was something fishy about it. Who was the most business savvy woman in the whole Bible? Pharaoh's daughter was. She was the one that went to the bank of the Nile and pulled out a little profit. And finally, what kind of person was Boaz before he got married? Ruthless. Boaz was ruthless before he got married. For a few minutes this morning, I want to give a little tribute to our fathers and the qualities that men have, although more often than not, it seems that we are operating behind the scenes in the family dynamics. Thinking back today to just a few months ago when Jen and I got our first foster care placement. Before these kids came to our home, I always wondered what it was like to be a father. I wondered what it was like to take a child to Lowe's and let them pick out suckers or a bag of chips what time I was picking out my man tools. Um, I always wondered what it would be like to take a child to the park and watch them slide down the slide and push them in, you know, not off a cliff, but, you know, more in a swing. And uh, just some of those things, you just wonder what it would be like, those life experiences. And I remember when we got, the night we got our first foster care placement, the first two or three weeks, honestly, are a blur. I don't remember anything about it. Obviously, I remembered to eat and to drink, and that's really all I know for sure took place. Um, It was traumatic, but I remember the first few nights of trying to get a little baby, a 15-month-old, to sleep in my arms, and Jen and I was working on it together. She would rock the baby for an hour, then I would rock the baby for an hour, and she would rock the baby for an hour, and I would rock the baby for an hour. And we, this would go on for nights and nights and nights. And honestly, at some point I thought, man, what in the world did I get myself into? This whole father stuff, this is rough. This is rough. Well, fast forward a few months. I've got a little better at rocking babies to sleep and changing diapers and singing Twinkle Twinkle Little Star and some of those kind of things. But... When I'm thinking about this morning, I'm thinking about the quality of a father. 
What is fatherhood? What qualities makes a man a good father? Um, there's a difference, I feel like, anyway. And this is a podcast. Everybody's entitled to their own opinion. Mostly me and Chad, because we are the ones, you know, doing this podcast. But guests are entitled to their own opinion. And reviewers are entitled to their own opinion. But in my opinion... Not every male can be or is a good father. They can be a good father. They have the opportunity to be a good father. If they have children, they can be a good father. But not every man is or every dad is a good father. So what is it that makes a man a good father? And it doesn't matter if you have biological children, if you have foster children, if you have adopted children, if you don't want to have anything to do with children other than your nephews or your nieces on occasion, whatever. But to be a father-like man figure, some important qualities that I'd like to present to us today is that a man, to be a good father, has got to be independent. The book of Mark tells us in Mark chapter number 10, verse 6 and 7, Jesus says, but from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. And they twain shall be one flesh, so then they are no more twain, but one flesh. What I want to point out to that today and point out to us is that from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. First of all, before a male specimen in society can be a man, he must be a man and know that he is a man. Very important. I would venture to say it is impossible to be a father without being a man. Also, the man needs to be, I'm talking about independent. He needs to be, he, he, he's got to be able to function in life with a decreased amount of parental intervention as he gets older. For example, we have a, a child that lives with us. He came to us when he was four years old and we were working on potty training. And in the mornings, we would wake up and he would go do his morning routine in the restroom and he would come and tell me and Jen, Hey, you know, this morning I went to the bathroom and, uh, I used the bathroom and I didn't pee on myself. And so of course we did what every other parents do when you're trying to potty train a child, you clap your hands, you jump up and down, you, you scream hooray and you just make a big deal out of it. Well, as time has went on a couple of years down the road, this boy don't do that anymore. Now, it's just a normal thing. When I get up in the morning, there's just some things that I do. But that's to be expected because the older that we get, the more we should be growing spiritually, physically, mentally, we should have less and less parental intervention as we go to, uh, as compared to what we did when we were uh, a little child. And so, bringing this back around to what we're talking about, just for a couple minutes, uh, fathers, as we get older, we need to be doing daily spiritual 
social and financial tasks without having to be reminded. We should be able to, as fathers and being independent, we ought to be able to iron our own clothes and cook our own food. Now, granted, my peanut butter sandwiches are not as good as Jen's uh, lasagna, but it'll do. Um, We need to be able to set and achieve short and long-term goals. That's part of being a father. That's part of being a man. We need to be able to provide for our family. We need to be able to pay the rent and the mortgage. We need to be able to feed and clothe our family to buy and maintain safe transportation. What we really need to be is a model. I'm not living in my mom's basement playing Xbox and eating Cheetos when I'm 30 years old kind of person. That's what we need to be. We need to be independent as fathers and as men. Something else we need to do is we need to be good leaders. Men as leaders. Um, seems like that should, could go together. It should go together. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 5, chapter verse 22, chapter 5, verse 22, it says, Wives, submit yourselves to your own husband, as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And he is the Savior of the body. To be a good father, we need to have good leadership skills. Now, when I'm thinking about this, First, we have to ask ourselves the question, am I worth following? Am I worth following? If I'm going to be a leader, am I worth following? Where am I leading my family to? To what end do I have in mind? Where am I trying to end up? Where do I want my wife and my children to end up? If they're following directly behind me, where do I want little Tommy to end up in life if he's following in daddy's little footsteps? And I want to point out right here that regarding leadership, I told our little boy the other day, he was wanting to be a leader in something. We may have been playing follow the leader. I don't even know what we was doing. Something about leadership. And I told him, I said, you know, you can't be a good leader until you learn to be a good follower. Now, there's a lot of people run around like a bunch of chickens with their heads cut off, and they want to do their own thing. They want to be their own leader. They want to be their own pastor. They want to be their own um, lead singer in the choir. They want to be their own lead man on the job. And every church and every choir and every job needs a lead man or nothing will get done, right? But the problem we're running into with society sometimes is we've got a lot of people that are longing for leadership that have never really learned how to follow. Whoa, pin drop. 
There's a lot of people that are longing for leadership that are yet to learn how to follow. I cannot expect to be the pastor of a church until I first learn how to be a good lay member of the church. I cannot expect to lead a song in the choir until I get my tenor part down and I can sing with everybody else and follow the leader. I cannot expect to be the lead person on the job until I first learn how to be the man who works behind the scenes that nobody ever sees, but he learns how to dot every I and cross every T and do th- watch other people do things and see how we can improve the process. That is what leadership is. Am I worth following? And up to this point, have I been a good follower? Now, the Bible here talks about um, husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. Um, I want to point out and make a note in looking at my notes here on my tablet, uh, capital letters. This is a capital letter note. I want to present that this does not mean that men are superior to women in all things because men are not superior to women in all things. Women will excel the man and should excel the man in loveliness, grace, beauty, gentleness, and tenderness, among other things like cooking and paying the bills and, you know, helping me not go crazy around the kids sometimes. My wife is more lovely than I'll ever be. She is more gracious than I'll ever be. She is more beautiful than I'll ever be. She has more hair than I will ever have. She is more gentle than I will ever be. She is more tender than I will ever be. And really, she's a better cook than I'll ever be. And so when the Bible here talks about how the head the husband is the head of the wife, it doesn't mean that we are superior to women in all things because obviously we are not. This has to do with family government. This has to do with leadership in the home. It has to do with Christ being first and then the man being next and then the woman being next and then the children being next. It has nothing to do with a family government of dictatorship. It has to do with a family government of order. But also note in capital letters on here that I want to present to you this morning or this evening, depending on what time of day you're listening to this, this morning for me. Do not expect your wife to be subject to you if you are not subject to Christ. Do not expect her to be subject to you if you are not subject to Christ. That's a part of the criteria of this verse. The husband is head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. If the husband can't come underneath Christ and abide by the word of God and try to live his life pleasing to God, then that same husband shouldn't expect the wife to be subordinate to him. 
Did anybody else just hear the popping of the toes? I just stepped on somebody's foot. Sorry, excuse me. But leadership, leadership skills is a very important part of being a father. Last thing this morning that I want to present to you. I need Chad here to kind of get me out of the, get me out of trouble, but he's not available right now. So Chad, if you're listening to this, a few prayers would be great. I'm over here taking a few deep breaths. But I want to talk a little bit this morning about the quality of being a father that I think stands out to me more than anything else when I think back in my childhood and think about my own dad. To me growing up and to me today, my dad was awesome. Dad always seemed to know how to fix anything. And really, if it didn't even work after dad tried to fix it, as long as dad tried to fix it, I was good with it. You know, with a fishing reel, I might not have been able to throw the line out after dad fixed the fishing reel, but, you know, people go fly fishing all the time. And so, you know, if dad tried to fix the fishing reel, and not saying this happened, just an example, if he tried to fix the fishing reel and he couldn't get the the strain to roll up the way it's supposed to, then I can make do. And I could be happy because my dad did it. My dad was awesome. And dad still is awesome. But something I remember about my dad, an attribute my dad had as a father, bio father and, you know, a good father in my life, is he was very forgiving. Forgiving. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter number 4, verse 32, And be ye kind to one another. Tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as Christ, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Let me read that again. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. We'll pull out a word out of that this morning. Forgiving. To be a good father, you have to be willing to forgive. You can't walk around holding grudges and being bitter at everybody. And there's two people that we got to learn how to forgive, for sure. And everybody, probably the two hardest people that we have to learn how to forgive. First of all, we've got to learn how to forgive ourselves. You, as a dad and as father... We'll make mistakes. Now, it doesn't matter if you're Batman, if you're Superman, if you're Spider-Man, if you're Iron Man, or any other kind of man out there. You will make a mistake. This morning, I already made a mistake. I haven't brushed my teeth yet. You will make mistakes and you have to be willing to forgive yourself for making mistakes. 
just living life and having a home now, being married and got some kids running around like crazy. Um, I have had the pleasure of yard keeping. And in this yard keeping endeavor that I'm still working on, my wife on the hillside back behind the house has flowers. And I like flowers. Don't get me wrong. I like the, the beauty of the flowers. I like the color of the flowers. I really like the honeybees that come with the flowers. They help my garden out a lot. I like flowers. But with those flowers, they're planted in the fall. And they come up in the spring. And they come up every year. Every spring, the same place. They're called bulbs. The only bulb I ever heard about before I got married was a light bulb. But there, apparently there's a bulb that you can put in the ground that comes up a flower. And so Jim planted them flowers, them bulbs, one year. And I don't know, six months later, them old birds decide to come out of the ground. And I remember them little things coming up. But when they first come up, they just look like grass or weeds, like the other weeds that's growing on the hillside. And so... There's been more, more than one time that I have made the mistake, don't tell Jen, that I would be out there weed eating and I would cut those flowers down to the ground. I don't even know what color they bloom. Again, please don't tell my wife. Uh, you guys will understand that. But anyway, being a man, sometimes we make mistakes. We're going to cut the wrong flowers down. We're going to forget to mail the letters. We're going to forget to mail the bills. Being men, we have an expectation that we're going to complete any and every project that our wives find on YouTube or Pinterest. But the reality of it is sometimes we can't make it happen. No matter how many YouTube videos are out there or how many Pinterest pins there are out there. We as men must realize that we will not be an expert in everything carpentry, bricklaying, electrical, plumbing, medical, legal, etc., etc. when we first start and that is okay. There is a learning curve. You got to give yourself grace. You got to learn how to forgive yourself. But also, in forgiving yourself, you have to learn how to forgive other people. You got to be able to forgive your spouse. You got to be able to forgive your children. You got to be able to even forgive your in laws. Ooh, that's a hard one sometimes. No, I'm just kidding. I got good in laws. You've got to be able to forgive other people. Just as you are human, other people are human. Other people will make mistakes. Your spouse might burn the biscuits tomorrow morning for breakfast. And if you run around all day with a grudge and you're bitter because your sausage biscuit had a little bit of extra darkness to it and that ruins your day you were going to have a bad day anyway it had nothing to do with the biscuit 
we've got to learn how to forgive other people and give other people grace. We've got to learn how to forgive our children and give our children grace. Sometimes our kids make mistakes, seems like all the time. Kids make mistakes and they start arguing with each other and they start hitting each other and that kind of thing. And a trend that I notice with our children is if one of them hits another one for something, not saying they did or did not deserve it, but, you know, they actually hit somebody or they raised their voice at another one of the siblings. Seems like one of the hardest things for them to do is to be humble or humble, depends on who you ask, to be humble and say, I'm sorry. And so usually what we do, we got to do a timeout session where we sit on the couch and we think about what we did wrong and what we could do different next time. But before you're out of the woods of discipline in the Mullins home, you have to go to the person that you wronged and you have to give them an apology. And for the middle child, that is a very hard thing for him to do. It takes a lot for him to do that. So if you ever get an apology from our middle child, just know that he worked very hard for that apology, and you should accept it. Anyway, and so he gives an apology, works really hard on that apology, gives an apology, and that's a real hard thing to do, but sometimes equally as hard as his attempt is the response of the person to whom he's asking forgiveness from. Maybe it's his older sister, His older sister may have had a favorite toy that he broke or that he lost or, I don't know, maybe she was building something with magnet blocks and he tore it down. He has to say, I'm sorry, but she has to reciprocate that forgiveness and say that I accept your apology. We have to be able to forgive. He's got to be able to forgive himself and she has to be able to forgive him. And both of those are equally important. So men as fathers, you know, whether you got bio kids or foster kids or adopted kids or just, you know, a good you're just a good father to the kids in the church and we've got some great fathers like that. You know, we got some guys in the church that, you know, they ain't dads, but man, there's more than one day a week I'd like to just call them up and say, Hey, you want to babysit for me? Anyway, um not gonna throw your names out there. I don't want to be anybody feel like they're obligated to do anything. But Anyway, um, but those are just some qualities that came to mind this morning about being a good father. And to wrap up this episode, I want to share with you a few more dad jokes because it's just that time of the year again. So where is the first tennis match mentioned, mentioned in the Bible? The first tennis match mentioned in the Bible. It was when Joseph served In Pharaoh's court. Secondly, who was the greatest comedian in the Bible? The greatest comedian in the Bible. Samson. He brought the house down. Oh, yeah. Which servant of God was the worst lawbreaker in the Bible? 
Which servant of God was the worst lawbreaker in the Bible? Moses. He broke all ten commandments at once. Number four, at what time of day was Adam created? At what time of day was Adam created? A little before Eve. And lastly, from a man's perspective, who is the greatest babysitter mentioned in the Bible? The greatest babysitter mentioned in the Bible. David. David rocked Goliath to sleep. Don't act like that didn't put a smile on your face. Thank you guys again for joining us for another episode of Defining the Dash, where we are making it count. When I win this war.